thank you. Ivan and Esther and Robin and Sherry, string quartet from the community to set our hearts. Yeah, go right ahead. Why don't we? Our praise to God and thanks to you. We're thankful that you can be a part of our service this morning. Our call to worship is from the book of Psalms. Psalm 145, we'll read responsibly and I'll begin. We speak to the Lord. All your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you. They tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might so that all people may know your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. Hymn number 570, from all that dwell below the skies, if you're able, stand with us. Let's sing together to the glory of God.
Amen. And have a seat if you would, please. Thank you. It's always a joy for me to welcome you. Those of you who can join us here on site as we gather on a beautiful day to give our praise to God, but also those of you by live stream or recording as we're able in this way to join you. We are excited to bring the presence of God in our moment of worship right where you are and what your need is. A lot of guests today. I've welcomed our string quartet. Um, again, Robin and Sherry, Esther and Ivan, and on uh, Oregon, Katha, as Jane and Lee are away. Uh, they're in Colorado at a memorial service for their son-in-law. Many of you will remember as Adam passed away in December after a long bout with ALS. They are there with family and remembering that life. Um, some quick things for today. There will be a fellowship time in the post-service after library, and for the follow-up that I usually do with question and answer, I'm bringing in a guest, Pastor Darwin, who's been a, a delegate at the CRC Synod in Grand Rapids, will be here for about 30 minutes to talk about that experience and what they're seeing. I, of course, will be serving in another place. I'll be playing bass in fusion, but that's another story. Our Great Escape ministry uh, during the week begins on Monday. A summer serve is coming up in July 17 through 22. That'll be an opportunity for all of us to volunteer and support that outreach to middle schoolers in a variety of ways. Um, other things, here's the slides. On July 3rd, we're gonna try something different. Um, we'll do all three of our worshiping communities together and outside part of the holiday, see how that goes for us. Also, there's an online connect card. If you will text the word connect to this number, 616-202-1210, uh, you'll get a form that will let you respond to us. We can set up a time to meet and pray, or you get an email. At this point, I'm going to ask uh, the celebration elder, Meredith Steenweig, if she would come forward and share with us a word from the council uh, regarding finances. Good morning, everyone. So uh, this is a financial announcement from the council. This is the, I have to go up. Uh, this is the same statement that's gonna be read at all three congregations so that everyone gets the same message. Uh, greetings on behalf of the Heart of White Council. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Meredith Steenweik and I am currently serving on the Heart of White Council as the celebration elder. First, thank you for your faithfulness, flexibility, and patience as Hardawick has navigated the past two years of a pandemic. This time has brought many disruptions and challenges, but we are so thankful to have now returned to full programming across campus. It is so good to see the busy life of this campus in full swing as we move into these summer months. As the reality of this pandemic settled in, the leadership of Hardawick had honest discussions about how this could affect finances, staffing levels, programming, and even the overall structure of our ministry into the future. Thankfully, you, the people of Hardawick, were incredibly faithful during this time with your financial gifts and time invested into our ministry. Our ministry and staff have flourished in many ways, and technology has been embraced so the word can be received wherever our worship communities feel most comfortable. My son, and, uh, who slept in, is actually probably watching from home right now, so I'm a big fan of the technology moves. <laughs> um, now, new socioeconomic challenges are creating new financial pressures on us all, including Hardawike. Our ministry was blessed to start 2022 with an operating cash position of $400,000, or about three months of budgeted expenses, thanks to strong year-end giving. 
Over the last several months, income has fallen to 71% of budgeted expense, the lowest to date in five years. Operating cash has fallen to $250,000, or just under two months of budgeted expenses. This trend causes concern for the leadership of Hardawike, yet we continue to lean forward in faith for God's provision. How, you can walk beside Hardawike, how can you walk beside Hardawike going forward? Your faithful and consistent financial support is so beneficial as we go into the busy summer months of travel and vacation. The giving tab on the hardawike.com website provides numerous options and ways to set up reoccurring giving, as does your local banking institution. More and more people are turning to preset reoccurring giving to Hardawike, and if you have not done so yet, we invite you to consider this in the coming weeks. Once again, thank you for your time and commitments to Hardawike Ministries in so many ways. It is deeply appreciated. And since I'm up here, and Bill doesn't let me up here a ton, um, a reminder, the new council positions are up for an affirmation vote, which I think you have until noon to do online. Uh, that's uh, Mandy Laninga for the Benevolence Deacon, Joe Nowicki for Treasurer, and Courtney Lampin for Vice President. Also, since I'm up here, I want to encourage everyone to participate in Wednesday night community nights, uh, especially GEMS and cadets. I know cadets needs leaders. Um, GEMS needs a first grade leader. But cadets, it's hard to be the leader, and I understand that. It's hard to be the person in charge. They need helping hands, and I think that is easier to be. They need a person in the classroom to help first graders spell Genesis, to help second graders cut. It's a long night to help manage all those kids. Um, so if any of you can uh, donate your time, we would absolutely love that. Feel free to talk to me. And also, our first Gems and Cadets summer event is June 22nd. We're going to tie-dye. Uh, that's at 6.30, probably out by the pavilion, uh, by the anchor. Thanks very much. Thank you, Meredith. A lot of opportunities to plug in. And did you say tie-dye? So we can have a Grateful Dead moment. This is... <laughs> Wow. Um, oh dear, you never want to let him lose. Thank you, Meredith. And again, thank you for the support we've had. I am very encouraged about our opportunity to bring the gospel of God's grace into our community in fresh and new ways. We're having a children's ministry transition that usually that would be a real problem in a church to switch over leadership in a new ministry. But as you get to know Becky as our new person coming on, I think you'll be as excited as I am that God has really had his hand on this. So he will continue to lead us. Let's um, confess our faith. I love to use the historic statement, those who've gone before us, and for Pentecost season, I'm focused on the Heidelberg Catechism, question 53. I'll begin. What do you believe concerning the Holy Spirit? First, that the Spirit with the Father and the Son is eternal God. Second, that the Spirit is given also to me, so that through true faith, he makes me share in Christ and all his benefits. He comforts me and will remain with me forever. Before we pray, we're going to ask the string quartet to give us a musical piece, prepare our hearts in meditation.
Amen. Thank you. Even as they dismiss, let's turn to the Lord and pray, shall we? Oh, Lord, our God and Father, in the fullness of your grace, you have called us as your people. We thank you that we live by the Spirit and not by the letter, but that your Spirit informs the letter of your word and guides us. I pray as we start this busy summer that the letter of the schedule might not kill the spirit of your work in us and through us. Be with us as we affirm new council members, as we navigate this children's ministry transition, as great escape kids begin to arrive, our upcoming summer serve week, the mission team that will be returning from Honduras, one going to Roseland, our ministry at the Synod in Grand Rapids, all these different things. May they be an expression of your work in and through us rather than the work of our hands. Move in us and through us. Be this day with Pastor Aaron at Watershed, Pastor Corey who will be preaching at Fusion, and right here, Pastor Florencio who will be a part of uh, Mission and the gospel going forth in the Spanish language right here in a few hours. Father, is celebration. We navigate life together. And I'm going to ask you to pray with me and for me two things. First of all, pray for the sick and recovering, those in your circle of friendships. Name them to the Father right now for those recovering, for those with a hard diagnosis. And Father, grief is more than a one-step event. So we are committed to journeying with people in the midst of loss. So we pray now for those in our midst who are grieving. Father, we thank you that every name placed at the throne of grace is notice and you move in those lives. Touch them, we pray. Father, we pray as you've taught us for those in authority over us in our regular cycle. We pray this week for the state of Michigan. We pray for Governor Gretchen Whitmer, Attorney General Nessel, and Secretary of State Benson. For those in the state house that represent us, Mary Whitford, Jim Lilly, and uh, Bradley Slaw. We pray for Roger Victory in the Senate. Father, we pray for the rule of law, for just and fair governance that brings peace, shalom is the biblical word, wholeness, to the land, fruitfulness in school and business and in family and in community. Father, we thank you that the gospel is not simply ours to hold, but ours to share, that you've reached to us and you move through us to your glory, to the utter ends of the earth. Thank you for those missionaries who serve in closed countries as they find creative access to bring the hope of Christ crucified, buried, and raised in otherwise very pressed lands. Continue to call your people, Father, from our complacency into relationship to speak gospel hope and truth. Raise up volunteers for the ministries of Hardawike that reach into our community, Neighbors Plus, Summer Serve, and indeed every group that meets in neighborhoods.
and praise. Father, you've called us to be salt and light, and I thank you that in those images we see that it only takes a little bit to make a big difference. By your grace, make us that little bit to your glory and to the benefit of our community. We ask you, Father, to hear our prayers and to teach us to pray, just as the Lord Jesus has taught us. Uh, we pray using these words. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen and amen. Thank you. I'm going to take a moment with the kids, and I never define that age, but if you come and join me up front here, I've got some reading and some time together. So yeah, I'd appreciate those who'd come on down and be a part of things. Here we go. You've got to stand in for your brother. I got it. I'm thankful we've got some folks here. We all get the special attention today. That means everybody's watching, but you'll make it, won't you? I'm thankful for that. My rose among the thorns, uh, we'll miss you. But here we are together. This is one of my favorite opportunities to hear the gospel of Christ in every story. And I'm gonna read you a story today. It's called Son of Laughter. Now, last time we read, we ended with brokenness. There'd been sin in the garden. Uh, people made bad choices and there were consequences. So they had to leave and we moved into a broken world. But in the midst of that broken world, the story begins today with a man named Abraham. There we go. So let me read. Years passed and things didn't get any better. People were still just as cruel and mean to one another. They still got sick and died. God's world was still full of tears. It was never meant to be like this. That's not how God created it. But God was getting ready to do something about it. He was going to make all the wrong things come out right. And he was going to do it through a family. He would take a family and use them to rescue the world. Abraham, God said, how many stars are there? God was about to tell his friend a wonderful secret. You see him looking there at the stars? And suddenly he's aware, there's more stars than I could ever count. Guess what? God laughed. I will give you so many children and grandchildren and great-great-great-grandchildren, you won't be able to count them either, just like those stars. Abraham couldn't help giggling at such a wonderful idea, but he stopped himself. How could he have a family? Don't be silly, he thought. Don't have, I don't have any children, let alone grandchildren. He wiped away a tear. Anyway, it was far too late for him to start having babies at his age. He was 99 years old. He was older than me. Imagine such a thing. Abraham, God said, believe me, this will come to pass. And then God told Abraham his secret rescue plan. Because you see, the rescue plan at that moment was a mystery. But it was a plan from the very beginning to rescue those he'd created, but who were broken and far from him. 
Abraham, I'll make your family very big. God promised until one day your family will come to number more than even all the stars in the sky. Abraham looked up at the dark night sky. It was thick with stars. You will be my special family, my people, and through you, everyone on earth will be blessed. It was an incredible promise, isn't it? You can hardly believe it. God was going to rescue the world through Abraham's family. One of his great, 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 great grandchildren would be the child, the promised one, the rescuer. But it's too wonderful, Abraham said. How can it be true? And God said, and here's a great thing for all of us about his promises. Is anything too good to be true? God asked, is anything too wonderful for me? So the time came and went. Abraham's wife, Sarah, was pregnant. And sure enough, nine months later, just as God had promised, Sarah gave birth to a baby boy. They named him Isaac, which means son of laughter. And Sarah laughed, but this time it was a glorious, happy laugh. Her dream had come true. God would do as he promised. He would always look after Abraham's family, his special people. And one day, God would send another baby, a baby promised to a girl who didn't even have a husband. But this baby would bring laughter to the whole world, joy and hope and peace. This baby would be everyone's dream come true. And we know that baby to be Jesus. You see, God started by making a promise. And I've taught us all, I'll remind you again, that a promise is something that God makes to us. It's not something we can guarantee for ourselves. But because God has made a promise, we can rest in that. So let's pray. Jesus, thank you for the good news of the gospel, that you have been at work across centuries and families and generations to bring yourself, Jesus, God the Son in the flesh, that he might die and be raised for the forgiveness of sins and for the resurrection of your people even. We celebrate that and live in that hope. Be with all of our children, Father, those here, those online, those in seats. Be with each of us in the fullness of your gospel hope. We pray these things in Jesus' name and all of God's people said together, amen and amen. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you being with me. We're preaching through the book of Proverbs in all three communities, and Proverbs is different than an exposition like the epistles where I would start with one verse and work my way through. Proverbs is a collection of sayings, and so we're looking at particular threads that weave the tapestry. If you'll keep up with us through the summer and perhaps read the Keller's devotional book or some of the other material we're offering related to the wisdom literature and Proverbs, you'll begin to see Proverbs not as a collection of disjointed statements, but as a carefully woven tapestry with various threads. So, last week we looked at the promise of wisdom and what that is. Today we're going to kind of look at the mirror side of that and foolishness. I'll read in Proverbs chapter 1 verse 20. And uh, before we do that, leave it right there. That's good, Deb. I want you to be aware of an outline and kind of watch how this goes. It's going to start with wisdom pursuing God's people. See the active nature of wisdom as it pursues God's people. Then in verse 22, we'll see that people avoid it. 
then we'll hear a call to repentance that leads to wisdom. Again, God is saying, here's the way, walk in it. But then there's verses 24 through 32, the consequences of rejecting wisdom. That's why this sermon is going to focus on choices and consequences. But it ends with a promise. So wisdom pursues, people avoid. There's a call to repentance, including a promise to blessing. More rejecting, but the promise remains. Listen as I read. Out in the open, wisdom calls aloud. She raises her voice in the public square. On the top of the wall, she cries out. At the city gate, she makes her speech. There's calling. But listen what happens in response. How long will you who are simple love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? But a call to repentance. Repent at my rebuke, the Lord says. Then I will pour out my thoughts to you and I will make known to you my teachings. But... See, and here's the rejection and the consequences. But since you refuse to listen when I call and no one pays attention when I stretch out my hand, since you disregard all my advice and do not accept my rebuke, I in turn will laugh when disaster strikes you. Whoa. Yeah. I will mock when calamity overtakes you. When calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind, when distress and trouble overwhelm you. Then you will call to me, but I will not answer. Then you will look for me, but you will not find me. Since they hated knowledge, see a choice and a consequence, since you hated and did not choose to fear the Lord, since you would not accept my advice and spurn my rebuke, then they will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes. For the waywardness of the simple will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me, the Lord says, will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, our God and Father, we thank you that you have loved us with a never-ending, never-giving-up love. That long before we knew to love you, you had loved us and had been at work across centuries. Thank you that as Solomon the king gathered the wisdom that he could accumulate and receive from you and recorded it, so in fascinating ways, you've preserved it across centuries now, and you've made a promise to meet us in your word. We open this book and ask you, Holy Spirit, illumine the hearts and minds of your people that we might live wisely and fruitfully in a challenging and broken world. Help us to turn from the path of foolishness and walk in the light of your grace, bearing fruit, living with a simple wisdom that comes from the creator as a gift. Father, guard your people from my own brokenness, my own distraction. But in all things, we pray for one another that we might see Jesus more clearly. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your great love. We pray in your name. Amen and amen. Perhaps you've heard tale of how different languages really specialize in different sorts of things, that the various Eskimo languages have a lot of different words for snow, for example. And Arabic is a word rich in words that refer to the types of sand that are out and about. 
Well, apparently in Hebrew, there's such a, a focus on wisdom that there's also a lot of nuanced definitions for foolishness and for wisdom. It was fascinating for me to study this week. I've never spent time studying about foolishness. I just lived it. So here they are. We look at foolishness, kind of the mirror side of wisdom. And this passage this morning lays out foolishness and its consequences remarkably clearer clear. Here's a partial and poetic list. It's not meant to be complete in this passage, but we begin to see faces of foolishness. Can you imagine that the habit of foolish choices begins to take on a form? Listen to verse uh, 22 here. How long will, will you who are simple love your simple ways? Simplicity. How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? There's three faces there. Let me read to you that same verse from uh, the message, a paraphrase that really in this particular passage gets at this in a very helpful way to me. Um, it reads, simpletons, how long will you wallow in ignorance? You've heard the word simpleton, somebody who just doesn't seem to get the complexity of life, thinks everything has an easy answer. Simpletons, how long will you wallow in our ignorance? Cynics, how long will you feed your cynicism? Are you feeding or starving? Is what Eugene Peterson, the translator, is getting at. And then finally, idiots, golly, how, that's a strong word. How long will you refuse to learn? The three faces of foolishness, these are patterns of life over time. There are the simple. The simple is always looking for simple answers, simplistic answers, simpleton answers to complex questions. It's been an interesting season. Recently, Mary Lynn and I watched the um, Ken Burns documentary on prohibition. Do you remember that season? There was a social problem, and they tried to fix a social problem with a simple law. And what happened? Once alcohol was outlawed, it then became more available illegally. Once it was outlawed, then only outlaws had it. And suddenly there was a, a whole river of violence, the Tommy gun from that era. Oh, but if we could just pass a law, everything will be fine. Sometimes life is a little more complex. Maybe we need some laws. Maybe we need to ask harder questions question I'm asking myself as an American citizen right now. What has happened over the past 60 years of my life that now a small percentage, it's small but it has huge impact, of young men are so alienated they'll take firearms and end others' lives even as they end theirs. What has changed? That was unknown in my life 60 years. I don't know that there's an easy answer to that question. And we need to be aware that sometimes the brokenness of this world will take multiple responses, multiple steps, but the simple, the simple will love their simple ways. The mocker, 
You know the person who always knows better, or at least they know more about the other person. It's so easy to point out another person's errors. And if you do it loud enough and often enough, no one will look at you. Fascinating to me that it's so much easier to make demands on late night comedy than it is to change something. Marches to protest systemic oppression. I'm opposed to systemic oppression. But who is improving reading scores among second graders? That's where I want to invest my heart and my time. What good is mockery when the components of a full and fulfilling life are lost and missed? The fool, one of the key faces of foolishness, refuses to learn. We'll never look deeper for root causes. We'll never take the longer horizon. Have you heard the expression, cheat me once, shame on you. Cheat me twice, shame on me. Sometimes I need to look at the brokenness of my world and my life and realize it's not their problem. It's me. Have you ever had a friend or a former friend who seems to move from relationship to relationship to relationship and they keep having the same problem? How is it that they keep finding people with that same problem? See, the fool, the scripture says, wants to do away with learning. Proverbs digs a little deeper and looks as well, not just at these patterns of life, but at the characteristics of foolishness. And I'll just read real quickly here, first from the text as we had it in verse 24. But since you refuse to listen when I call and no one pays attention when I stretch out my hand, and since you disregard all my advice and do not accept my rebuke, these are the characteristics, the heart states that lead to the behaviors, the faces of foolishness. Listen to it in the New Living Translation, and you'll see the active characteristic of God pursuing his people. There's grace in the midst here. I called you so often, but you wouldn't come. You see what God is doing. He's calling. You see what people are doing. We won't pursue wisdom. I reached out to you, but you paid no attention. You ignored my advice and rejected the correction I offered. The characteristics of foolishness, even in this brief passage, we can begin to add them up. A refusal to listen. I just won't take bad news or contradictory news or a different opinion. I have nothing to learn. I won't pay attention. I'll let it pass. There's no need to clutter my life with that. I'm going to ignore this. How about disregarding advice? You know, sometimes to live wisely, you're going to need varied perspectives. The characteristics of a foolish heart don't want advice. This is part of the dangers of social media. We could use the internet to gather various perspectives and experiences. Instead, we just use it to find our tribe. Who says what I think only louder? Do you see how disregarding advice looks? The difficult one, and particularly for those of us who are churchgoers, to not accept a rebuke. Now, let's be honest. Nobody likes to be shown wrong or to have your error pointed out. 
But don't you benefit when someone will say, uh, Bill, there's spinach on your tooth. Let's go ahead and deal with it. Now, again, part of the body of Christ is you want to rebuke with love. I'm deeply committed to the idea that people need to sense my love for them before they can hear my rebuke. But part of my calling as an expositor of the Word of God is to let you see where it rubs your life. You know, it's a tough thing to be a pastor these days. If you go to your doctor and he runs a test and says, oh, you've got cancer, let's give you chemotherapy, just about kill you for six months, but six months later, you're cured, you love your doctor, right? He saw a problem, he had a hard way to deal with it, but it brought health in the end. If I were to point out, just kind of discreetly between the two of us, a heart aspect of your life and decisions, most folks in the United States right now would take offense at a pastor. Oh, how judgmental. Oh, I'm going to a church where they're really preaching the scripture. See, friends, I want to tell you something, that sometimes the rebuke of the Scripture will challenge us. We need to do that with love. We need to do that with a sense that you're secure. How often do I tell you, you don't have to agree with me for me to pray for you each day? See, that's my commitment. But we need to be aware that sometimes part of growing in wisdom and in Christ is going to be someone saying, you know, that's stinking thinking. That's bad attitude. Who is the person and what was the issue of which you last repented? What's an attitude that you recently had to repent of and who was it that helped you see it? I'd be fearful if you can't answer that question. And I want to invite you to a deeper work of God and of the people of God in your life that we can begin to be instruments of grace as we see our brokenness and find hope in the gospel. But we're going to have to see our brokenness because you see the characteristics of this foolishness, choices that become patterns of life over time. You just start to respond that way. It's as if you begin to learn, live in light of a Google algorithm. You understand that your search engine is trying to figure out what keeps you mad and to feed you that so they can sell you Preparation H or whatever else you are searching for. They want your eyeballs so they can sell you things. If they're not giving you a product, you are the product. Friends, these characteristics become patterns of life. You see, choices have consequences. Three things I want to touch real briefly that I see in this passage that are takeaways for us to meditate on. The first is this. It's about these choices and consequences, but it's this truth. You can make some choices, but you can't choose the consequences. I could choose to eat potato chips all day, every day. But you know what those consequences would be? You're kind of, I don't eat that many potato chips, but you know what that kind of food in would lead to. You see, by God's grace, I'm an image bearer of the great king. And so I have an ability to, to make some measure of choice. 
But because I'm a creature, I'm a creature, I'm sorry, I have to live with the outcomes. I can make a choice, but I can't choose the consequences. God governs even through the choices that people make, even bad choices, because he establishes the consequences. Do you remember Genesis 50-20? We're in Genesis in the children's reading, and we'll get to this. God said, or Joseph said, you meant it for evil. He said that to his brothers, but God worked it for good. You see, God altered the evil consequences of the evil choices of his brothers, and many were saved. You can choose your life for self-fulfillment, but the consequence is alienation. You can choose to pursue pleasure, but the consequence may well be addiction. When we make choices contrary to the leading of the Spirit and the written word, we'll face consequences that begin to cascade. And the second thing I want to point to we see in this is that consequences may not be apparent in the short term. You know, you can make a decision for life and it it pays off even as it sets you up for great loss. Get rich schemes may actually get you rich quickly, but they rarely hold value. I'm listening to a book right now by John Quinones, The Least of Us. And it's about the, the emerging flood of, M, of P2P meth in our country. It, it, it's amazing and overwhelming to me. But he's filled with story after story after story of people who get started dealing with meth and get rich. And they're just about to get out when they get busted. You see, there's a way to get rich quickly. It may cost the lives of others and it may leave you in prison. But in the short term, it seems to pay off. Sometimes, this is why we need community and the scripture and the spirit of God. Sometimes it pays off in the short term. One of the most frightening texts in the whole Bible for me is Hebrews 11.25. It says that Moses chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. It's frightening to me because it says that sin may well have fleeting pleasures. I love the King James, sin has its pleasure for a season. I get it that there's joy in that moment, that there's a feeling of, oh my, but it bears a bitter fruit. Sometimes the consequences may not be apparent in the short term, and let's be honest, the discernment of consequences can be a real challenge. It can be difficult. How many of us have made a choice and then later realized, oh, that's the consequence? Ouch. Sometimes it's hard to discern those consequences. The good news of the gospel is that even when I make a mistake, God will take those consequences and use them to my benefit in his glory. It was a a hard consequence for me to play a whole football game in August in Charlotte, North Carolina and to eventually be so tired I couldn't defend myself and to break my thigh. Even that expression of brokenness on the planet 
God could work for good because it began a series of events that eventually led me to a personal faith in Christ. See, this is the good news. I was listening to a radio program the other day and they talked about the impact of FOMO. I can't even keep up with it anymore. FOMO is fear of missing out. You know, I don't live in the fear of missing out. That's why I listen so carefully to that. Because of what Jesus did at the cross for me and for all of us, I live under the smile of the living God. And whatever I may miss out, I apparently didn't need. And I live at peace. You know, back in the day when I was playing music, I'm probably the only long-term professional musician on the planet playing in places I did who never smoked marijuana. Now, this is why I was laughing about the Grateful Dead. I never smoked marijuana, but I've got to own this. I did see the Grateful Dead play inside one time. (laughs) So, but I want to tell you something. At that time, all my musician friends would tell me all that I was missing out. I was living under the grace of God. And yes, I missed some things, addiction, diseases. Sometimes the consequences are hard to discern. I get that. And because of that, we need to be aware of the law of unintended consequences. It's a law. We make this decision and that consequence happens. We live under that, but we live in it by God's grace and he will work it. It means we've got to take a humility in our own choices and recognize our mistakes. We need to give grace to others and their choices. You see, friends, foolishness, the Pastor Bill definition from this text this morning is going to be the choice and the cascade of consequences resulting from not seeking God. When we make a choice, it sets up consequences that sets up choices with consequences. One cascades after the other. And it's that cascade. If things cascade long enough, then it's very costly. Let me give you a concrete example of one that we face in our own time. Our culture has begun to separate biology from identity. I can be something that's different than my physical reality. I don't think any of you have ever studied my DNA, but you're able to discern just looking at me that I have Y chromosomes in every every cell in my body. That's a physical reality. The question for us becomes, is that physical reality completely separate from my inner psychological state, or is there some sort of relationship and connection? Does one affect the other? Does being born with Y chromosomes mean something for who I am? And I want to suggest to you that the scripture is very clear that there is a connection, that part of what it means to be human as a creature of the great creator king is that we are both body and soul. They are interconnected. One relates to the other. Steph Curry, my favorite NBA basketball player, does not have the physical prowess and goods to excel. But he took even that lack and through hard work, an inner drive has made something, but he's had to overcome. You see, his physical reality and his inner self 
interact one with the other. When you begin to separate those two kind of things, I want to tell you, danger follows. The worldview of the Bible is very clear. Body and identity are connected. We are both body and soul. Friends, the gospel is based on the word becoming flesh. The resurrection of Jesus was not a moving idea. It was a historical event. A body that was no longer living was suddenly, I don't know how, raised to new and intended life. It's at the core. But when we begin to let choices and the cascade of consequences direct our life, heartache follows. What's the remedy for foolishness? I want to close with this because it's very clear. It's not a new science. It's not a new effort. It says very clearly, the Lord says, repent and accept my rebuke. Let the rebuke of God's word give you a different perspective on the world and change your path. Repent and accept my rebuke. You see, when I choose unbelief rather than God being God, I'm going to view the world through my particular self-actualization? The answer to that is repentance, not try harder. You can't work hard to change bad belief. You've got to repent. He also goes on and talks about a long-term perspective. The world may be successful in the short term, but the scripture calls us to the long-term And we need to trust that. It it occurred to me, the very last verse in this passage, but whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without harm, fear of harm. Now, is that true? Is that true for the people in Ukraine right now? Live in safety, be at ease without fear of harm? Is it true for the people in my old neighborhood in Holly Grove in New Orleans or in Alexandria, a small Louisiana town where there's been two murders a week this year? Is that scripture true? I want to tell you, it is. But you've got to read with gospel eyes. I want to close by doing that so you can begin to understand You see, this is not a formula for how to get the life you want. This is a hope and a promise. Last week, we began looking at these texts and Proverbs from the creation, fall, redemption, and I want to add the fourth leg, the new creation. You see that graphic? It's in your sermon outline. It's on the live stream and there on the screen. Creation. Friends, we were created for a harmony of relationship with God. And with God in relationship with him, there is no foolishness. There are no choices that lead to consequences that hurt. But because of the fall, there's a brokenness. And so now we are presented with competing wisdoms. The gospel of God's grace, will we live at the behest of God? Or will we make up our own reality? And in this fall, these competing wisdoms, there's heartache. And so it is in Ukraine right now, you cannot live in safety. In Holly Grove, you cannot be at ease without fear of harm. 
because we live in a time marked by the fall where people make choices that are foolish and have consequences that affect us. But because of what Jesus did on the cross, there is now a new doorway, a new opportunity, a new choice. Jesus himself said in Matthew 7 in the Sermon on the Mount, therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man. But anyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man. See, Jesus is just picking up what God gave to his people in Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and Job in the wisdom literature. Wisdom, foolishness. The fall is a time marked by the foolishness of humanity, but redemption has given us a new opportunity. The indwelling spirit that illumines our hearts to understand the written word and to live in a hope. Do you know there's a time coming when there will be no more foolishness, where the free choice of humanity will not choose the consequences of death and brokenness and oppression. That time is coming, and by the grace of God, the call is now to live into that. Let us follow. Let's pray. Father, I pray that we might have a, a challenge, challenging sense of our own brokenness, where we have made choices and when the consequences looked okay for the short term, but began to bear a harvest of unforgiveness or of anger, of unresolved, irreconciled relationships. Help us to seek you and to repent first for ourselves. Thank you that Jesus died to give us a new heart, to do away, as it were, with the foolishness of our own brokenness and the consequences that follow. Lord Jesus, even as you raised from the dead by the power of the Father, be raised in, and, uh, in our lives that we might live wise and kind. Thank you for your word and for your Holy Spirit. Guide us and fill us with great hope in all things. For we pray in Jesus' mighty name and all of God's people sit together. Amen and amen. Our closing hymn is number 427, How Firm a Foundation. Uh, Jesus has given us that hope. Let us stand and sing to his glory.
before I give you the benediction. Again, fellowship time afterwards. Pastor Darwin will be for the answer, and I'll be running off to fusion. But receive the blessing of the fullness of God from the book of Hebrews. And now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, may he equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen and amen.